Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. So Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, what time is it for you? And this has kind of been our New Year's message and we're rolling that out. Might end up being three weeks worth, but nonetheless, we'll deal with it as it comes. Let's then go and recap what it says and go from there. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So the idea what we started out with last week was that God has a season for everything. There's seasons that come and go in your life, and now he either has you in a season, you're coming out of a season and going into a new season, or you're beginning a new season. Either way, seasons come and go, and you have to ask yourself, okay, what season am I in for 2020 is the idea. And so we talked about this last week. I'm not going to explain this anymore, but in verse 2 through 5, we talked about this. A time to be born, a time to die, time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones. We covered that last week, so if you missed it, uh, we'll have that on the internet for you on sermonaudio.com or our own website. You can pick up on that. So now what I want to do is start with 5B and start explaining the rest of this passage in 5B. Then it says there's a season or a time to embrace. Now, what this means is the time to embrace is a Middle Eastern figure of fellowship. They would be very affectionate in meeting and greeting people. They'd give them a holy kiss on the side of the cheek, hug, and they're very affectionate. And so this idea, there's times in our lives where there's a time to embrace, enjoy, and primarily what it's talking about is in fellowship, okay? Fellowship. There are times in our lives that we need fellowship. In fact, all of our lives need fellowship, but there are certain critical times where we need it. And what happens to a lot of believers, when hard times come, what the devil tempts them to do is isolate and get away from fellowship and not be around anyone. And so they stay locked up in the house, don't come out. And I tell you this, January is the worst month for isolation. You come off the holidays, you instantly feel depressed, a lot of people, and especially those who had a rough holiday. You know, it's not the Martha Stewart type of holiday, and it's not, you know, the Norman Rockwell holiday that they've pictured in their mind. They come off the holidays, and it was just terrible. And then for the month of January, a lot of people go into depression. It's a seasonal depression, uh, low light, and then you have all this mixture of disappointment. Well, What they tend to do in January is pull away and isolate. And that's the wrong move. Also, this happens when people are in sin. They feel guilty for what they're doing, and they isolate, and they pull away from from people. And the point is, it is not good that man is alone. Going back to Genesis. We are created to bond and fellowship with people, especially other believers, to pull us out of our depression, to pull us out of our isolation, and out of the sin we're in. The biggest thing that you can find is to, to maintain your sobriety from getting into sin, addictive sin, is fellowship or support groups or whatnot. We have two of them, one for substance abuse and one for uh, sexuality. And those groups help those guys maintain their sobriety. But 
Understand that the root of the addiction process, no matter what addiction it is, food or whatever, stems from isolation. The pain of being alone kills people. They don't know what to do with it. And being alone then drives them to bond to the wrong things. They won't bond to the right things. Good people, healthy people, they'll bond to the wrong things. And some of the things they bond to is work. They become workaholics. They bond to sports. They bond to hobbies. Food is like number one, by the way. Food is number one. People eat themselves to death or they starve themselves to death. One of the two. Parenting, they'll throw themselves into parenting, sexuality, um, or, or sexual morality, I should say, shopping, getting involved in a lot of religious activities. They get involved in getting more knowledge and information, so they have more and more degrees. They keep throwing themselves in the school. They're a perpetual student. They get involved in rescuing people, and, of course, they bond to the wrong person. You ever wondered why some of your relatives, and you look at them, and you think, why did they hook up with this person, man? It's like, wow, are you serious? What did you see? And they'll say, oh, he, he's, he has a nice personality and he's funny. And you're thinking, the dude's messed up, man. He just, he just got out of jail and he's on parole. What are you doing with the guy? What's wrong with you, man? And yet, oh, he's wonderful. He, he didn't do that. that. That was a lie. He was framed. And you think, what's wrong with this person? Why would you date a criminal? An ex-con. If you're an ex-con, no offense, but... Uh, I'm just saying, ask yourself this. If your daughter dated someone that just got out of jail, what would you tell your daughter? I know what you would say. Uh, we're done, right? You're not doing that. So all of us understand we would not want our kids doing that. But nonetheless, why do people do it? Why do they bond to the wrong people? It's because they're in isolation from the right people. Because if they have to hang around the right people, guess what happens? The conviction comes. The way of living, the right standards come, and they don't like that. So they would rather bond to someone that does, makes no demands on them morally or spiritually. And so you'll see an 8 or a 9 or a 10 go after a 1. And this happens a lot. And understand, there is a time for correct bond. You have to bond to the right people. You don't bond to the wrong people, obviously. Then he says this, and he comes back and says, and there's a time uh, to refrain from embracing. I caught this picture. This was great. Look at this picture. <laughs> she didn't like a hug from Biden. Look at that. You can tell she... <laughs> And creepy Joe Biden, you know how he is, man. He's just, he, he, he just gropes everybody he gets around. He's just a pervert. Um, and she has her own issues. But nonetheless, you can see it's not a time to embrace with these people, right? She doesn't want anything to do with the guy. But here's the deal. Spiritually speaking, what does it mean by a time to refrain from embracing? It means that there are times that you have to let toxic people go. You don't fellowship with toxic people. You don't fellowship with evil people. You don't fellowship with foolish people. Now, obviously, with an evil person, you usually call the cops. You get a lawyer. 
or whatever. So we pray, or we're pretty good about evil people. But we have a hard time with toxic and foolish people. Let's explain tox, toxic people. Toxic people are the kind of people that cause you problems with their problems. They bring their stuff, their baggage to you, and then it creates problems for you, and they want you to solve them. That's toxic. They're spreading their toxicity out. And yet people will continue to absorb toxicity, and even though it makes more demands on them, they'll still do it. The Bible's saying get away from that person. They're bringing problems that you don't need to deal with. Now, if they're legitimate problems, I get it. No problem. But toxic people never figure themselves out. Okay? Or how about a foolish person? Many people don't know how to deal with a fool. A fool, according to the Bible, is those who are not changed by the truth. You can tell them the truth about what's going on, but yet they don't ever change. And the question then is, how long are you going to keep doing the same thing over and over again with the fool? I was talking to one of my pastor friends, Pastor Larry, and we were talking about this subject. And he goes to me, I was talking about this, this, this whole scenario of how to deal with a fool. And I was dealing with a fool. And uh, he, he goes, you know what you are? He goes, you're insane. I said, all right. I mean, when your mentor tells you you're insane, you need to listen to your mentor, right? Okay, so I said, okay, I'm insane. How am I insane? He goes, because you keep dealing with this person, and they keep doing the same thing over and over again, and you keep doing the same thing over and over again. And he goes, that's the definition of insanity. The definition of insanity is thinking you're going to do the same thing over again, expecting different results. He goes, you're insane. I said, you're right, I'm insane. I don't know why I keep doing that. But that's the question you and I have to face. Am I dealing with a foolish person and I keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result that one day they're just going to get their head screwed on straight and they're going to see the truth after the hundredth time? No, I'm not. What are you to do? Not embrace, not let them in to fellowship. I am to avoid them according to Scripture. It's all through the Proverbs, by the way. It's amazing, though, that we always will let these foolish people into our lives and, and, and these toxic people thinking we're, we're helping them out when we're actually enabling them, enabling in their behavior because we keep embracing their fellowship. And it's like a lady I was reading about this week, and she was nagging her husband about alcoholism. He was an alcoholic, and she just kept nagging and nagging and nagging. She was frustrated. She understood he was a fool, understood he was toxic because he's bringing his, his alcoholic problems to the whole family. And, um, but she, she wondered why her nagging never brought repentance. Couldn't figure it out. She figured that more information would help the individual get off of alcohol. She was wrong. More information doesn't help the toxic fool at all. And so at the end of the day... What we found out when you read her story is that um, not only did her nagging not work, but her actions towards her toxic husband, her, her foolish husband, was wrong. How so? Well, she wasn't taking responsibility for him and how she dealt with him. And you know what she was doing? She would make on her grocery list a budget for his liquor. Yeah, how do you like that? And then 
was buying the liquor for him. And she wanted to know why he didn't quit. Why did her nagging not work? Because she was enabling the toxic fool by buying liquor for him. That's insane, isn't it? Yikes. Move on to verse 6. A time to gain, or a way it could be translated in Hebrew, a time to seek. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this. A time to seek means that there's times in our lives we need to do due diligence. We need to investigate something. We need to look at something. The problem is most people are gullible. Most people believe what the TV says. They believe what, what an entertainer says. They believe what a politician say. Well, he said it. It must be true. Or they go into college and university. Just because the guy has a tie on, they think, well, he's an authority. Well, he must be right. Noah's Ark is a, you know, is a myth. Uh, uh, creation is a myth. It's evolution. He must be right. But they won't do their own investigation. They won't look at the evidence for themselves. As a society, we have become extremely intellectually lazy because we won't research anything. We don't even read the directions of how to put things together. Did you know that? No one reads the directions anymore. You know what they do? They go on YouTube and they watch how it's done because they're too lazy to read the instructions. So they go on YouTube and watch some dude put it together. It's crazy, isn't it? But we become intellectually lazy. And that is going to cost people for not doing reconnaissance. You know, when Moses went into the land of Israel, before they, before they went in, what did he do? He sent the 12 spies out. Do you know what the 12 spies were doing? Reconnaissance. That's what they were doing. Jesus even gave a parable. What king goes to war and does not make plans? It's simple common sense, you would think, but most people don't do it. They won't go on the internet. They won't, and not that everything's on the internet is right. I'm just saying they won't even use the vehicle sitting right in front of them. And there's plenty of information you can find out about things just using the internet in the right way. But that's the problem with us is we just accept what people say. We have to be Bereans and check everyone out what they say. Did that really happen? Let me look at it. So understand this, though. You have to do your reconnaissance on any subject matter. But at the same time, here's what you're going to find out. There's an element that's going to require faith. A certain percentage, I don't know what that percentage will be, 10, 20, 30%, I don't, that you just don't know and God did not reveal. And based on your reconnaissance, what you think is best, wise, wise counsel, then you need to move forward. But if you're the kind of person that has to have a 100% assurance before you do anything, there's no faith in that. And you're going to miss God's leading in that. So be warned about that reconnaissance. You're probably going to get a high percentage of it, but not all the facts. Then he says there's a time to lose. A time to lose. And this is interesting. So we're trying to gain uh, information or whatnot, and then there's a time to lose. And this is the hardest thing for us. We hate to lose. We have a hard time losing in life. It makes us very angry. Uh, it makes me very angry to watch our culture go the way it's going. It makes me very angry to watch the church go the way it's going. It bothers me. But at the same time, I have to know what I'm losing. What is God doing right now prophetically to American Christians? He's shaking us, according to the book of Hebrews. He's shaking us, 
Shaking us from what? Shaking us from, from being too loyal to things in this world, but only being loyal to him. He's shaking us. Any materialism that we might have, he's shaking the foundations of that. And he's showing, it, showing us that all you have is me. Your country's going from you. you. The churches are going from you. Only a remnant will survive. And I'm trying to show you who's on your side and who isn't. And that shaking causes us to lose things. Do you know that most Christians don't want Jesus to come back? Insane, isn't it? But when they're pulled and they're talked about, they say, well, I want to enjoy more of life, and I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to go skiing in Aspen, and I want to go to the Swiss Alps, and I want to go hiking in Peru, or, or what's that place that people hike a lot? Mount Everest or whatever it is. And you're thinking, are you insane? You would rather stay here on this godforsaken planet, in this world that's controlled by Satan, the god of this world, than go be with Jesus? And yes. They would, because they're too attached to this world. They have not dislodged themselves from this area. They have set roots in the world, and they don't want to go to heaven right now. They want to go to heaven when they die at 95, right? I'll go then, but I don't want to go now in my 30s. That's called a Laodicean believer. They love this world. And what God is showing us, things need to end. The season is over. We're into our new season. And this new season is refining us, making us know what's important. It reprioritizes us. You think about this. You have a hard time when seasons are over. If you like the season that you were in, and, and now you know the, seasons is the season is over, it's tough. It's tough to start a new season, to realize the relationship is over. To realize the job is over. To realize you've lost your country. That's hard to swallow, man. A lot of people don't like that. But if you don't, if you don't let go and let things go into that season and start a new season, you get stuck. You never mature. And here's the principle. The good cannot begin until the bad ends. The season you came from might have had some bad things in it. Well, if you stay stuck in that season because you, you like certain things about that, even though there was uh, a hellish nightmare in that season, you're preventing the good from what God's bringing you in the next season. Now, the next season might be harder. I don't know. But what we know is that God has good in there for you at a greater level for you to experience. Don't hold on to this world too much because a lot of Christians are stuck in this thing. This is what they tell themselves when they lose things. I don't want this. Okay, think about that. When someone tells them, I don't want this, what are you going to do about it? It's still happening to you. Even though you don't want it, I don't want it, it's still happening. So what a lot of people go into protest mode. And I don't want this, and I'm going to go in protest mode, and I don't want any help. I don't want any, I don't want to do anything. I'm just going to shut down. Well, that's not the way God wants you to face that. He wants you to say, I know you may not want this, but until you embrace it, we can't go forward. And the hardest thing will be to embrace the crosses that Jesus puts in front of you. You will have to suffer. You will have to feel pain in order to understand the pain he went through in order to be conformed to the image of Christ. 
That's a hard one. It's hard because we avoid pain, right? We don't want to be out there and feel the, the pressures from the world and the name calling anything. But you must understand, if you're going to grow, you have to embrace the cross that is before you. There's no other, there's no other solution. If you refuse to embrace the cross that's before you, you will never grow, you will stay stuck, and you will continue to spin a circle that goes downward until you do embrace it. He cannot do anything else with your life unless you're willing to take the first step. And it's difficult, guys. So we'll end here, but going forward in this new year, it may not be peaches and cream right now. And I'm not promising that. But what I will promise is whatever comes your way, he has allowed, he will provide for you and take care of you. He will see you through it. But he's asking you, please take a step of faith and embrace that cross. Let's pray. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.